Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Well, we are going to be uh, teaching on the six different styles of evangelism this morning. And uh, we're going to be giving out a handout in a few minutes, but we're not going to do that until after we have uh, Nate and uh, Matthew. Nader and Matthew, come on up. And they're going to do something. If you have a cell phone, you need to bring out your cell phone right now because these high-tech guys want to do something. And uh, they're, going to, they're going to... Yeah, an iPad your, works. Or your iPad, if you have your iPad. If you can get online, we'll be putting all that information up there in a minute. But uh, they're going to do something that's going to... going to ask some questions and uh, we're going to do a little survey. So... Uh, By the end of the the service this morning, you're going to hear all about all the different ways you can evangelize and what way is best suited for you. And in the last days, technology shall increase, right or wrong. And so today we have with us the Matthew Chauci and Nader, Hannah, the next generation leaders coming up. And we see them. They're the youngest employees at WCF just around my age. Okay. Give or take 20 or 30. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Can I get you guys all to take your phones and wave them at me? All right. So the the questions we have are kind of set up to to give us an idea of different styles of evangelism. So Pastor Rick and Kathy are going to explain to us that there's six different styles of evangelism. Some people are really confrontational. Some people like to use stories. Some people like to do different things. And Pastor Rick and Kathy have a questionnaire after, and they're going to kind of try to help us identify where you fall in and how to best reach like your coworkers, your peers. And it's, it's going to be super insightful. insightful. Yeah. <laughs> I attended first service, and, and I got a lot out of it. All right, so, all right, actually, we're getting there pretty much. Okay, so we're going to, once we passed 100, you guys can keep signing in as we're playing, so don't give up if you're still trying, but we're going to start. All right, so first question for Kahoot. Here we go. Ready? I use stories to make a point. And obviously, we're talking about evangelism here, so put that in mind. And answer, sometimes, always, or never. This guy uses stories to make a point. That is true. 15 minutes into the story, you're like, what's the point, dude? <laughs> Still going. You're laughing. All right. Let's see what we have here. All right. So most of them were sometimes, and then we have a few alwayses, and then five nevers. Five of you guys just get straight to the point. Nothing? At least they're honest. All right, next one. I easily make new friends. Uh, if that describes you as sometimes, always, or never, go for it. Can we just stay away from the sometimes, guys? Let's be honest. Let's just go never, always. You guys don't have to lie about it. We should take that option off. <laughs> all right, we pretty much have all the answers coming in. Two, one, here we go. I swear, if sometimes it's bigger. Oh, that's, that's better, always. We have eight honest people. Thank you very much for your eight. Next question. All right. 
I like to recommend books, movies, or events that my friends will relate to. So are you guys that guy? You know, you recommend something. I know like Pastor Riggs and I like Hacksaw Ridge or some other movie around, so I recommend it to him because I know he's going to enjoy it. And that's his play in opening Christianity to people. So it's just an easier way. But if you're that person. It's that or like some other Christian gladiator movie or something. You guys pick it. Ah. We have a lot of always. That is actually pretty good. And we have more truthful people coming out. What up, people? Thank you for saying no if you actually mean it. Though sometimes you got to work on them. There's 38 in there. No commitment. I believe that someone more qualified can answer questions about Christianity better than I can. So we're talking about uh, apologetics, things of the faith that maybe you don't feel too comfortable answering. Um, you guys should be... Pastor Arjun usually takes a little of that, that, that kind of spot. But yeah, uh, if you feel like you always do that, jump into that. If you feel like you never do that, well, be honest and put never. If you feel like you sometimes do it, be honest and put never. There we go. It's like, it's like nothing he says when. <laughs> it's still sometimes. All right. I believe that people should be told the truth no matter what. So are you like a super confrontational person? The truth is the truth. You need to hear it. And I don't care how you feel about it, but it's the truth. You know, Pastor Rick a bit. <laughs> I'm sure we have a few more here. And we're here pretty much. Three, two, one. All right, let's check it out. Hey, you guys are a truth-telling kind of congregation. That's what I'm seeing. Remember, always tell the truth about yourself, though, too. So hit that never if you're really honest. I believe that my actions speak louder than my words. And now be, be actually honest. Do you do that or do you just know about it? So hit never, always, or sometimes. Don't hit sometimes. <laughs> there's a pattern. Yeah, there's a pattern, guys. There we go. Yeah. Snap. I, I was about the same for first service. Most of us believe that. Oh, one more. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. So Pastor Rick and Kathy are going to explain what's going on, and it's going to make a lot more sense. Great job, Matthew and Nader. Love you guys. So good hanging out with these young guys. Amen? Okay, we're going to teach on the six different styles of evangelism, and those questions that they just did fall into the different styles of evangelism, so based on what your answers are. Now, every one of us is wired differently. God makes us all unique and different. All the styles work for different people, and there's different times you may use uh, more than one style. You're not just one style, but you're going to find yourself probably falling into a few of those different styles. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to hand out a uh, survey sheet or a, it's actually a test and don't do the test now we're just going to hand it out now because we made the mistake of trying to do it at the end of the service the first service and people it got confusing because we were doing communion and ushers were having trouble getting everybody their sheets so what we're going to do is hand them out now just hang on to those sheets at the end of the service you can take them home with you and you can do them and they will help identify with you which style of evangelism is best suited for you and what you're most comfortable doing but right now, we're going to start a teaching on what the six uh, styles are. And uh, we're going to go through the teaching as fast as we can because there's six points. So we want to get it all done today. We did manage to pretty well get that accomplished in the first service. We did. So uh, we're going to start out. 
And I'm going to let Pastor Rick start, actually, with the first one. Well, and so we are going to tell you what the six styles are, kind of a little bit what, how, they, how they look, and uh, the characteristics of the people that do those di different styles. And uh, you'll probably identify a lot with one or two of those styles. And we'll, we're also going to ask you, as we go through them, to raise your hand and let us know which style impacted you the most to cause you to come into the kingdom of God. Okay? So over 30 years ago, and they have a picture of me back over 30 years ago up here right now that they're going to put up. There was a young man that came into my office, and uh, the, there we are. That's Don Bodwin, Pastor Luke LaBeth, Jerry LaBeth, and of course me. Notice the, the different colored plaid shirt, a little bit different. It's never changed in all these years, okay? So, so when I was that age back then, this young guy comes into my office and, and he shares about he wants to go uh, you know, to England at that time and be with the ministry with Bob Gal. He's going to do some concerts and some singing and everything else. And I didn't know this, but, but anyway, we were going to become very close friends in the future. And his name was Pastor Brian Danner. Amen. That was 30-some years ago. But what the highlight of what we did was not only did he go over to England, but when we started the church over here at WCF shortly afterwards, Pastor Brian used to bring his amplifier and go out into the park with Rick. Rick, and he used to sing, and he'd get the audience, and then once we got the audience, I would go preach. And that's how we did it. That's where we started some 30-some years ago out there. But the style that we used was very confrontational. Now, how many know from then to today, we've learned a little bit and made some tweaks a little bit, where actually all six of these here styles are actually operating here at WCF. But this is the confrontational one. The direct style, confrontation, it means to give authoritative instruction, to point aim, to focus towards a given result, an object, or an end. And we can see Peter on the day of Pentecost, it says in Acts 2.14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Come on now. It said these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Look at the next verse. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Now here's the key. He was confrontational. He got right in their face. He goes on later on in the chapter and he says, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wow, he got right in their face. Confrontational, very, very direct. What is it about these here individuals that speak that way? Oftentimes they're very confident. They're very bold. They're very assertive. They skip all the small talk. They get right to the point. They also have very strong opinions and strong convictions. And, and, and really, to a great extent, that describes a lot of WCF. But that went over so well, okay? In conversation, this is how they like it, okay? They approach topics like, uh-uh, without beating around the bush. 
What is the second thing? They don't back down away from a challenge that is actually seems necessary. Uh, they, they're, they're just characterized. They are seldom ever back down. Once in a while, I'll back down with Kathy, but besides that, I don't. Okay. Okay. Number three is uh, I, I do not have a problem confronting, whether it's an acquaintance, whether it's a friend, uh, with the truth. And, and even at times, it may strain the relationship, but we are still going to bring the truth regardless. In this same personality type, I, I think the world would be a lot better place if people would just stop being so sensitive about everything and just speak the truth. Okay, their motto that would fit pretty well is these folks are usually deep personality types and apathy is their worst enemy and sometimes they get in trouble for lacking uh, uh, gentleness and sensitivity in what they share. So, so the whole thing uh, uh, about them is they're bold, they're aggressive, and they're assertive, but really to a great extent they reach a small percentage of the population. Okay, are they important? yes. Do we need them? Yes, because there's certain personality types that say, just get in my face, don't beat around the bush, just tell me the way it is, and those kind of people light up, man, and they just go right in there, slam dunk, let's get the job done, home run today, why beat around the bush, why be religiously correct, why be politically correct, let's just say it the way it is. Their weaknesses, they lack tact, come on now, and sensitivity, so they need accountability in those areas, so that they can grow in that, become more sensitive, become more tactful, become more diplomatic, but not letting go of what it is the driving force of what they believe. You know, Amen. when I was first saved, I was taught by the, the circle of people that led me to the Lord to do confrontational witnessing. And what we used to do is we used to go door to door, you know, and that's what confrontational witnessing is. You just knock on a door, you don't even know the people behind the door, and you just share the gospel. And, uh, and it doesn't always work that well, but uh, it's good to do though once in a while. And, and there are people that are one to the Lord that way. Right. And I remember one time uh, we had rented a, 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 a actually somebody donated us a, a little coffee shop that we could use for evangelism. And I was uh, put in charge of running it. And so we would have coffee and donuts and we would invite people from this, you know, the neighborhood kids and that from the street in. We had a lot of teenagers come in. And I remember one time I was sat down at a whole table full of these young teenage boys and I just started preaching the gospel to them, telling them the way it was. And one of them got saved, but the, the others didn't. But a week later, they were all in a horrific car accident and all of them died except for the one that got saved. And all I remember then is thank God that I at least preached to them. I don't know if they had time to call out to God or if they had prayed or anything. I don't know where they're at, but I do know I had preached the gospel to them. And, and so, you know, we don't know. Sometimes God will lead us to somebody and he'll just say, just tell them, tell them the gospel. And you need to be willing to step out. You may not feel comfortable because this is not the style I like. And um, he likes it. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I've but, heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've learned also there's times when God will prompt us to share our faith with somebody. And when God prompts you, you need to step out and do it. And they may not receive it at that moment, 
but you don't know what can go on later on. And, and so it's not about us, it's about them having an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so there's times God will just lead us to talk to people at different times, and, and, and it may be a confrontational type by meaning, I call it like cold turkey, where you just go up to somebody, you don't really even know them, and you're just telling them the truth. And how many here got saved that way? Anybody? Confrontational, yep. Just a couple, okay. So that, there is a few here that did. That's not There's a common more. way people get saved, but it is a way some people do get saved, and that may be the way they had to get saved. So it is a legitimate form of sharing the gospel. And then the next one is what we call intellectual style. Mm -hmm. And intellectual style is... You know, people, a lot of people like to debate. They like to discuss philosophy and theories of life and, and all of that. And there's people out there that they, they would welcome a talk with a Christian that they could debate with. And there's people that love doing that. They love to debate with people. They love to talk about scripture and get into the philosophy and the theories of life and all of that. And, and there's people that need that in order to get saved because they truly are questioning and, and searching for answers and wanting to know, you know, the truth. And so there's so many philosophies out there. And, you know, as Christians, how many know we believe Jesus is the only way? And that's not politically correct. There's a lot of people that struggle with that belief. And there's a lot of questions people have about that. But there's some amazing material out there to read. And to it's good to get the answers, even if you're not a debater, even if you're not one that wants to discuss philosophies and you'd rather pass them off to somebody that knows more than you. It's still good to get answers and to, to learn. And one of the books I used to recommend people, and I was one of the, those ones that would recommend books for people to read. And uh, there was one great book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict yeah, by uh, Hal Lindsey. It was an no, amazing... No, Josh McDowell. Or, sorry, Josh McDowell. And it was a, an amazing book that really answered a lot of the hard questions. There's a, a DVD series. There's one DVD called Unlocking the Mysteries of Life. And it proves evolution to be false. And even has some of the people that wrote the books on evolution verifying that it's false based on the knowledge they now have because of the DNA testing and things that they can do today. And so it's a phenomenal video. And there's a whole series on that. Um, that's just one of the videos, but there's a few of them. And then there's um, Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. So these are all materials. That's there's right. so many, so much great material out there because not everybody can come to the Lord just by faith. Just believe. Some people have to have understanding. They have to have things answered in their minds because, you know, they seek out philosophies and, and um, theories and, and all that stuff, and they need to know for sure that Jesus is the way. And we can prove it through many, many ways if you understand and know how to do that. And so you need to get those materials and learn how to do that. Even if you're not a person that likes to debate, it doesn't hurt to know the answers. And we're going to Later on in, in this series, we're going to be teaching some of those answers. We don't have time to do that today, but we're just going to get into the, the styles today. But, you know, it's so important that we don't just tell people, especially when they're really grasping for answers and really want to understand some things, that we just don't say, well, just believe. Right. That doesn't always right. go well with people. There's some people that just can't do that. They have to have a little more understanding before they can embrace the gospel. Yeah, I remember again when I, when I got born again. And how many know when you got born again, you had a real desire to see all your family saved? 
Come on, your friend's saved. I mean, it's like, wow, you realize your lostness and outside of Christ, we all felt that way. And, and I remember coming home to, to dad and, and, and saying, dad, mom, you guys got to get rid of the statues. You got to get rid of the beads. You got to get this out of the house. I was reading all the chick tracks at that time. You got to clean the house. And they said, we're going to clean the house of you. Okay, I mean, they were just so ticked off, okay? I mean, it's like, and I look back and I'm going, well, I had the zeal and the passion, but I had no brain whatsoever, no tack whatsoever. I think I should have been locked up for the first few months, but anyway, how many know God even meets you in your ignorance? Come on now. But anyway, but then my dad, because he had a degree in psychology and he had a bad experience with the guy that was very brash and bold. And it turned him off completely when he was in the military. So this whole aspect of the intellectual is important. And the scriptural example that we have of this here is in Acts 17, uh, verse number 16. Acts 17, 16 with the apostle Paul. And it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And he went to the synagogue. And then what did he do? It says, to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. House, and he spoke, uh, he spoke, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had debated with some of the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. And when he told them, it, it, it says about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, "What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picking up?" And it said, others said over there. He seems to be preaching about some foreign god. And then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching. So again, we could see where he used the aspect of rationale. He used the aspect of thinking. He used the aspect to connect with them even on an intellectual basis. And one of the reasons that we've even uh, done so much teaching on this is because what a lot of people believe, it makes no sense to the intellect whatsoever. And we understand about microevolution, and we understand about macroevolution, okay? But then when you think about that for just a moment, the, what people believe on just evolution is we all started from this here seed, uh, from, from one cell, and out of that cell it just began to evolve, and all these things began to go, which totally goes against all scientific information that we have on that. But then I go a little bit further, and I study, and I says, okay, Okay, according to what science has said, not Christianity, not the Bible, according to what Dr. Mara and his colleagues presented, the latest estimate of how many species there are based on the methodology they developed, they estimate that there are 8.7 million species on the planet, plus or minus 1.3 million. And then you add that in and you go, there are about 1,250,000 identified species of animals. Not even getting into the crustaceans, into the insects, into the birds, and all the other aspects of it. It's like, wow, wow, wow. How much faith does it believe that they all got her all these different things by one single cell? Something is drastically wrong. So the intellect will go into these areas. They love to read. They love to learn. They're always downloading books and materials so they can be equipped to better understand what it is that people are thinking. They want to know their audience. They want to know their target. I want to encourage the entire church, just go into Ravi Zacharias. 
and just go and learn from Ravi. He's an apologetic expert out there. Okay, and if you, if you can't get Ravi online, then just go see Pastor RJ. And I say all that, listen, because this is what they eat, this is what they drink, this is what they study, this is what they think, and then you can hear all the arguments that they have from a biblical standpoint, but also bringing it in to a worldview today of the Christ. These are very important ways to reach individuals here. Not only in conversation, they want to know what the questions and reasonings are, they are holding up a person's understanding so that they can make progress and break out in their future. Amen. How many got saved through the intellectual style of evangelism? Come on, raise okay, your raise hand. Raise your hand. There's a few of you. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot of you, but there is a few. Okay. Then the next uh, style is called testimonial style. And testimonial style is where you just tell people what God has done for you, where you share your testimony with other people and, and tell how you came to know the Lord, what your life was like before, what brought you to the place of receiving Christ into your life and how that has changed your life. This is one of my favorite ways of sharing because it's easy. All you do is talk to people and tell your story. And people are all going through things. And when you can share what God's done for you, people can't argue with your testimony. They can't argue with your truth, your reality, your story. And when you share it with them, right. it plants a seed in their, in, their, in their hearts. And I remember when I, the first time I ever went to a Bible study, and I didn't really want to go. I, I shared this before. I only went because I liked the guy that invited me. And I really thought people that would sit around and study the Bible had to be stupid. Honestly, I couldn't see why people would want to do that. And uh, I went, but I, as I met these people, and I, I went for several weeks, and I was hearing their testimonies. I was hearing their stories, and that is what won me over. Sitting there and listening to what God had done in their lives and hearing the changes that had transpired in their lives totally won me over. And, and I learned that when you tell people your testimony, they may not get saved that minute, but they won't forget your story. And they'll remember. People love to hear stories. And, and when you tell a story about how God came into your life and what your life was like before and how it changed you and how your life is now, it, it really does resonate with people. And uh, I know that that's something we can all do at different times is tell people what God has done for us. Tell them our story. And it makes such an impact and such a difference in people's lives, even if they don't receive it right away. And, you know, maybe God healed your marriage. Maybe God healed your body. Maybe God delivered you from addiction. Maybe God just gave, took you from hopelessness and despair and gave That's you right. purpose in your life. You know, whatever God's done for you, people need to hear about it. And when you have opportunity, you need to share what God has done. And, and that really does, that bears witness with people. And, and if, especially if they know you and they've seen change in your life. Yeah, and this whole testimonial point, where is that in the Bible? Well, if you look in John chapter 9, if you want to go there for a moment, I'll just read the story about the blind man, and he was a beggar, and the Bible says that he just sat there every day begging, and he was blind. And it says in John chapter 9, 1, Jesus was walking along, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. So this is when he was a little kid. He said, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins? Are his parents' sins? Now listen to the testimony three. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God can be seen in him. Look at verse number four. We must quickly carry out the task assigned by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. Go to verse number five, okay? 
But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. And then he said, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And then some said he was a Some said he was, and others said, no, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the one. And then he said, they asked, who healed you? Come on, what happened? And then look at, he said, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. And look what happened there. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man about it. He said, so we told them. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could this ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division among them. The point is, very easy. He had a story. And he said, listen, I don't understand all the somatics. I don't understand about the mud baths or any other mud. But all I know is he slapped it in my eyes. He told me to go someplace. I did, and now I can see. Listen, why am I stating this here? Because so many people say, well, if, if I don't know the Bible, I don't know the scripture, I don't memorize, I don't have a good memory, I can't quote this, and I can't quote that. This man didn't have any of that. But all he had was his story. And his story was enough to shake up the whole religious system of that day. You tell God your story. I can remember where I was at bound. I can remember where I was at alcohol. I can remember the chains that were over my life. And all I could tell you is I went in to a Catholic charismatic, charismatic meeting one night. And when I got into that night, into that there meeting, something snapped like a vice off of my head. And I began to see people different. I began to see perspective different. I began to see the world different. I began to see God's word different. And I'm going to tell you what, nobody can take that away from me. Nobody can deny it. I've shared my testimony all around the world and I'm going to tell you what God started in me is the same thing he started in you and it's a good work and he's going to complete that good work right up into the day of Jesus Christ. Every one of us that's been alive to God we all have a story that we can share. Okay, how many got saved through someone's testimony? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high if you got saved from a testimony. Okay, quite quite a few more. That's a very common way people get saved. The next form of evangelism, the fourth one, is interpersonal style or friendship evangelism. Friendship evangelism, And that is when we uh, get to know people, people we work with, people that are neighbors, friends, uh, people in our families, you know, just people that we develop relationships with. And as we develop those relationships, we, you know, we become friends with them. We don't pre-trade away, but we, in time, slowly begin sharing our faith with them when God leads and prompts us to do so. You know, I shared... I shared this story before. The very first job that I ever had was at the Ontario Milk Marketing Board. I was a brand new Christian. I was ready to, you know, I didn't have a lot of wisdom. And I went in there and I just started preaching to everybody. And then nobody wanted to hang out with me. 
and uh, you know they they all just backed right away and and God redeemed me he you know I shared the story about one of the executives that was also a Christian they found out and then they they all liked him so then they wanted to know about my faith because they liked this guy because they found out he was a Christian uh, but then the next job that I went I had more wisdom and so I said to God God I'm not going to witness to anybody until you tell me but I'm just going to be I'm just going to get to know people. I'm going to be their friend. So I went in there and I just began to make friends with people and started hanging out with people. And, you know, they got to know me. I got to know them. And every day I would pray on the way to work and I'd say, God, tell me when to share my faith with them. And God would always tell, not yet, not yet. And a whole year went by. And then one day on the way, God said, today, tell them your story. And I did at lunchtime. And, you know, they all listened. They knew me, not as a Christian. They didn't know I was a Christian, but they, they had gotten to know me. So they didn't reject me. Now they started making fun of me a bit after that and, you know, making little jokes, but they still hung out with me. And, you know, eventually every one of those people came to know the Lord. And so, you know, we, we sometimes just have to listen to God's leading and prompting. But, you know, if you're going to meet somebody only once and God wants you to talk to them, then you need to do the confrontational style. And, and, but when you have relationships with people and they're going to be long-term relationships, be led by the spirit of when to speak. Because you want them to know you as a person and you want to be friends. You want to know them. You want to show interest in them. And, and it makes such a difference. So, you know, we, we need to have relationships in our lives of people that do not know the Lord. We should always have some friends or some acquaintances in our lives that are not saved. And those are people that we need to just spend time with when we have time. And you know, you might say, well, I don't have time. Where's this in the Bible, the friendship evangelism? Well, Luke chapter 5, 27 says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth, understanding that they were the most despised individuals of that day. Many of them were rip-off artists, and they spoke very evil against these here type of people during this here day. And it says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him, But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? How many of that's the love of God? Come on. I don't think so. Just the opposite. Look at his answer. Jesus answered healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So we see over there the sphere of influence now after a person comes to Christ, they want to see all their friends. They want to see them all saved. I just want to give one caution on this here that I have seen with friendship evangelism, and I really, really believe that. These are relationally worn people. These are conversational people. They're compassionate people. They're focused on people and their needs. They're friendship oriented, which is very, very important. But listen, beware of valuing friendship over truth. What do you mean by that? Be very careful not to wait too long before you talk to them about Christ. What do you mean by that? There's a time and a season we understand for all things. But I know many today, they just want a relationship with people. They just want to be friends of everybody. Well, I'm going to tell you, there comes a time 
that you need to tell them who it is you believe in. They should see the changes inside your life, but you need to share who it is that you believe in and be willing to take the rejection, be willing to take the blows and enter into the sufferings of Christ. Because too many people, let me just state this here, too many people came out of an addiction lifestyle of some kind and they still want the same people to be their friends in their lives. And they're not telling them about what Jesus did, but they're connecting with them. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen it where that friendship was the key to knock people out of the race of faith. And so you have to be very, very careful in that area. We're all for relationships. We're all for it. Share. But don't ever be ashamed to tell people the truth in a way. Amen. Friendship. If you care about your friends, then you will tell them who. I did a funeral for a friend of mine many years ago. And at his funeral... I felt very strongly God told me to to, to bring an evangelistic message at his funeral. And this man was very, very well known. He had all his co-workers were all there. And all of his co-workers got saved at his funeral. And they came to me with this here question. And they said to me, and this stuck with me and it's never left me. They says, we knew he was, we knew there was something different about him. But he never talked with us and told us about what you're saying here today. They were all ripe. They were all ready to be harvested, not by Rick. They were already ripened to be harvested by my friend, but he never told them. So he allowed the friendship and the peers to keep him from speaking the truth. How many got saved through uh, friendship evangelism? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. So that's a very effective way. The next way, the fifth way, is invitational style. And that's where we invite somebody to an event or to a meeting of some sort, a church meeting, a conference, you know, a Christian movie or something, Bible study, whatever. We invite somebody to something and, and it's the, a venue where they will hear the gospel. And, and that's a very popular way to, to win people to the Lord. It's easy because you don't have to actually do the witnessing. You just bring them and somebody else does that for you. And I remember years ago when I was a newer Christian, I was, I, there used to be an organization, some of you older people will know this, about uh, the Full Gospel Businessmen. How many remember Full Gospel Businessmen meetings? And they were kind of like a uh, parachurch ministry, and they would host a lot of different events, and, and business people would go to them, and they would preach the gospel. And I remember one time they were having a dinner, and you weren't allowed to go to the dinner unless you brought an unsaved person. And I really wanted to go to this dinner. So there was this guy that I knew that wasn't a Christian, and, um, and you know he was actually in a lot of trouble. And so I told him, I need you to come to this dinner with me because if you don't come, I can't go. <laughs> and so he came very reluctantly, but he ended up giving his heart to the Lord at that dinner. And actually, I just ran into somebody a few weeks ago when I was in Welland at, at the OBFF uh, uh, connect day and they came up and told me we just ran into this friend of yours I, I forget where he lives now and they said his name and it was that guy and he's still serving God today and so you know that was back when I was in my early 20s and uh, that I that I did that and so that was an invitational method of winning somebody to the Lord some of you have been invited to church and that's how you came to the Lord or a home group or or some you know some other venue where the gospel was being preached and invitational evangelism is an easy way 
way to, to win people a lot of times. If they're, that's why we do a lot of events at the church because it gives you lots of opportunity to invite people to different things. You know, just like we have empowerment classes and maybe someone's struggling parenting with their kids, you can invite them to the parenting thing. People invite people to the encounters or to marriage classes. All of those things are great to invite people to when they have needs in their life and that's what they're for. And so we need to take advantage of that and, and invite people out to different things where they will eventually hear the gospel and have an opportunity to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. So not only what you're telling me is God El Shaddai, but he's also El Sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, John chapter 4, 27. And by the way, she shared about in her early 20s. Well, she's still now in her late 20s, but looking yeah, good right. anyway. Let's go. John chapter 4, 27. So I just want to always bring the biblical example of this here. Here's a woman, and she's, and she's a little bit messed up, okay? And she's a religious woman. She's a Samaritan, and she comes to the well and to get some water out. And Jesus' disciples went to town to go get something. And, and so Jesus is hanging out with this here lady over there. And it says, just then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Because the Samaritans and Jews didn't have dealings. And the, the woman left her water jar besides the well and ran back to the village. And what did she do? Come on, telling everyone. Come and see, everybody, come on, come and see a man who told me everything uh, I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now, if you look in the King James and the New King James, you'll also see she went back and she told all the men of the city because she had, been, had a good reputation in that community. She has slept with so many men, and so she goes and she tells all the men they could have been at the Tim Hortons, they could have been at the McDonald's with the free <laughs> coffee, and they're all over there at the coffee shop. And she says, hey, here's a man that told me everything I ever did. So Tony's there, and Billy's there, and Sammy's there, and Cousin Carl and Vinny are all there. And they said, what? Everything you ever did, man, I'm in trouble. What if my wife hears? So all the men came out of the city. To hear what the Son of God had to say. Can you say amen? It's all in your Bible. Not the names I gave, but it's all in there. All the men of the city. They all came out to hear what she had to say. So this is huge. This is a huge area that we can see from the scripture. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. him. It's all about the aspect of the invitation. How many were one to the Lord by being invited to something. Somebody told you. A lot you. of you. Even myself, I was invited to a Bible study. Yep. But at the Bible study, the testimonials, the testimonies, I mean, yep. were what won me over. And, and so, you know, sometimes it's more than one method that is used to win somebody to Christ. The last way to evangelize is serving people, being a biblical example of laying down your life for other people by doing good deeds for them. And, and that's really important because when you're in a neighborhood or in a family or at work, when you bless people around you, when you uh, meet their needs, when you help them through a hard time or, or go out of your way to maybe have a little party for them on their birthday or make them a cake or buy them a gift or, or just minister to them, do good deeds in some way, that speaks volumes to people and it, and it tears down walls and sure. causes people to open their hearts to you and to the message that you carry. And so it's very important that we, are, uh, that we do do good deeds for others because the Bible says your actions, you know, our actions speak louder than words. And so people are watching our lives and when, we, and when they know we genuinely care about them, sure. that opens them up to hear the words that we have to say about the gospel. And so serving others and meeting the needs of people is, is another method of evangelism. And I know people that have ministries doing that. You know, the 
Salvation Army is a good example of that, where they meet the needs of people. And then in that process, they end up doing evangelism. But the people, what draws people to them is that their needs are getting met. And so we need to be open to look for opportunities to meet people's needs. Now, we all, like we shared in the beginning, have a certain style that suits us best. Maybe there's a couple of styles that we like to work with. And so when you do the survey that we gave you, and do that little test to go home and mark it. Just re read it really carefully on how to mark it so you do it right. It'll categorize the order of which you best evangelize. And so, and remember we told you at the beginning of this series, you need to be praying for somebody. And it's probably somebody already in your life that you need to believe God for their soul. Or maybe there's more than one person. God will show you. And uh, just ask God, what style of evangelism is good for this person? And you know, sure. what do I need to do? To, to win that person to the Lord, and God will lead and direct your steps. It's awesome. Amen.